my friends, and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast on this Friday, November the 25th. And wherever you are, whenever you are listening to this, I wish you God's grace. I wish you God's life. I wish you God's goodness as we begin this new liturgical year. Uh, Welcome to the season of Advent, my friends, as today we will break open uh, two of the readings we're going to hear this coming weekend on the first Sunday of Advent. Uh, As I've mentioned the last few weeks, you know, our liturgical year is that cyclical idea, even though the readings may seem the same and and the direction may seem the same, we approach it differently simply because we are different, my friends. And that word gets to hit us in a new way to the extent that we open ourselves to it. Uh, And so it is true with today's as well. Uh, You know that we finished Luke last week uh, with the feast of uh, our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the universe. And today we will begin the cycle of Matthew, what's called cycle A. So today's readings, we will do the first reading from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. We'll read that, which again will be in our, uh, that's in the common lectionary, so Uh, Not only in our Catholic uh, churches, but many of our mainline Protestant brothers and sisters will hear the same. And uh, our gospel is out of Matthew 24, and it's going to sound an awful lot like the kind of gospel we heard last weekend. And we'll see if we can break it open a little bit and and, uh, help it not to cause anxiety within us, but rather excitement. Matthew 24, verses 37 to 44, okay? which is an interesting, you know, Matthew, that's toward the end of Jesus's ministry, yet we're going back to, to before the beginning, right, uh, in Advent. As always, my friends, I invite you, before you even hear the Word of God, whether it's pausing this or, or just simply a silent utterance to God, to open yourself, myself. May we open ourselves to the Word of God that it may find a place of rest within us, uh, a place where it can grow and find root and establish itself. And uh, again, as always, we're looking for a word. We're looking for a phrase. We're looking for an idea. Because that, my friends, is how, I won't say the only way, that's certainly not it, but it is one of the ways that God will speak to us through God's word, okay? That said, my friends, let's break open God's word together. We're reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest mountain and raised above the hills. All nations shall stream toward it. Many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us climb the Lord's mountain to the house of the God of Jacob that he may instruct us in his ways, and we may walk in his paths. For from Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and impose terms on many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. One nation shall not raise the sword against another nor shall they train for war again. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light 
of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay. And with that, my friends, let us break open the gospel. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. In those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day that Noah entered the ark. They did not know until the flood came and carried them all away. So will it be also at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be out in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, one will be left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on which day your Lord will come. Be sure of this. If the master of the house had known the hour of night when the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and not let his house be broken into. So, too, you also must be prepared, for at an hour you do not expect, the Son of Man will come. My friends, the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. That Gospel reading had uh, hints of last week, didn't it? Again, that idea of the coming of the Son of Man. Because remember, cyclically, we celebrate the end of time, right? With, uh, with the feast of the Lord Jesus Christ, King of the universe, when everything, all of creation, not just here in this world that we experience, but all of creation will uh, come under the, the embrace uh, of our God and, and be in the fold, as, as it were, of God. And it's kind of that end-of-time image. Well, we certainly see some of that in the readings today. Now, that's not an accident. Is it simply a, a leftover or a holdover from last week? You know, we didn't get to say as much about end times as we want to, so let's slip a little bit here in the next week. Well, well of course not. Because, and, and I'm, I know, my friends, I'm only going to tell you what, what you already know, but it's good for us to remember during Advent, we look forward to, we prepare ourselves for the coming of Christ in one of three ways. Now, the first of those ways is as we prepare ourselves for the coming of Christ in the Incarnation, the one that we celebrate uh, on December 25th at the Christ Mass on, on Christmas. Now, you might think, how on earth do we prepare ourselves for something that happened 2,000 years ago? What a wonderful question. And we'll, we'll dive maybe, I'm not even sure, deeper, but I'll, I'll, I'll entertain that thought, you know, in a little bit more. But that's that first coming that we continue, brothers and sisters, to prepare ourselves for now. The second coming we prepare ourselves for is that um, coming of Christ at the end of time, which is why these readings mingle so closely with the readings that we heard last week, right? Because that's the, the end of the liturgical year, that idea when we do look toward that. Um, and, uh, and so it's that parousia, as it were, the coming of Christ 
at the end of time that we prepare for when that will take place. And the third coming, of course, is the coming now, today, whether it be Friday, November 25th, Saturday, November 26th, Sunday, November 27th, whenever it is that we encounter God in that moment and that we have to make a choice, yes or no, in that moment, in that day, in that split second of yes or no. And we prepare ourselves for this coming of the thief. And these readings are so wonderful because they entail every one of those. Every one of those. So let's talk about these readings um, and what they're—it uh, certainly won't be in their fullness, but at least what are they? What are they inviting us to? Let's just kind of explore a little bit. So Isaiah, Isaiah chapter two. Recall this: He's coming to Israel at a time when Israel is uh, getting prepared. Well, not even getting prepared. That's poor word, Joe. Israel is pretty much deaf, dumb, and blind to what is happening around them in the world uh, and, and deaf, dumb, and blind to their relationship with God. They have allowed themselves to grow cold. And in that coldness with their God, they are becoming um, ignorant to the uh, extent of the danger in which they are in in the world. And Isaiah comes to them to try to wake them up. That's what prophets do, is they try to jar us out of our slumber and say, look at the reality of what is happening. Remember, first and foremost, prophets are not um, uh, trying to tell what's going to happen in the future, okay? They are trying to wake us up to the reality now, and they're trying to use image uh, to to help us do that. So Isaiah is doing that uh, with Judah and Jerusalem, Israel, and says, listen, in the days to come, this is really going to be good stuff. In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house will be established as the highest mountain. All nations are going to stream toward it, which, by the way, would have been incredibly, um, uh, can I use the word jarring, twice in, in one uh, episode? Well, I'm going to do it. And no, I have not been challenged to do that. But it is. it would have been eye-opening. It would have been jarring. It would have been stunning to them because... The, the mountain of the Lord's house, Jerusalem, of course, is on a mountaintop, the temple being on the highest mountain there. And, and that is not for all peoples. It's for the Jewish peoples. But yet here he's giving a vision of all nations are going to stream toward this. Come, let us stream, climb the Lord's mountain to the house of the God of Jacob, that we may, he may, God, may instruct us uh, in God's ways, that we may walk in God's paths. Now, Is Isaiah doing that to say, look at how awesome you are, Jewish people, that you guys are the best, you're the highest mountain, therefore, number one, wake up to that reality and remember it. Now, again, I don't want to say what Isaiah is trying to say. There's there's far more here than I'm going to be uh, even scratching the surface of. And I want to approach this with humility. But what I think Isaiah is pointing to is that image of an end time, of what this looks like over time, because this did not happen in, in the time of Isaiah. It did not happen all the way up until and, and through and including the time of Jesus. It wasn't until afterward when, when Peter and the house of Cornelius 
or Philip as he's walking along and the Ethiopian eunuch comes along, or more, I won't say more importantly, maybe primarily Paul as he brings the word to the Gentiles. In all those different ways, when the nations of the Lord are opened up to the word of God. I think what this is talking about, brothers and sisters, is it gives us a reflection of what the kingdom of God looks like. And that is always beyond us. That that will not be established, I think, fully. I, I, I don't even have to say I think. I know that will not be established fully until the coming of Christ in this parousia at the end of time. And we know that hasn't taken place, right? Because Isaiah then goes on and says, listen, um, God shall be the judge between nations and impose terms on many peoples. They, meaning the nations, we, the people, will beat our swords into plowshares and our spears into pruning hooks. One nation shall not raise the sword against another, nor shall they train for war again. We know, my friends, that this reality is not the reality of the last, gosh, I would say 2,000 years, but let's say since Isaiah said it back in 750 years before the, the coming of Christ. So in the last almost 2,800 years, we know this is not a reality. But yet, Isaiah sets this vision for us, not setting the vision that, hey, Jewish people, you're number one, and, and, and just wake up to that reality, everything's going to be okay, but essentially saying, hey, Jewish people, for God's kingdom, for God's vision to be a reality in the world, people have to say yes to that vision and be able to give it out to others. They have to be the ones to proclaim this idea of what the reality of the kingdom of God is going to look like and and plant that seed within those others around them. You Jewish people, do you want to be the ones to say yes to that? Because to the extent that you are and do say yes, people are going to climb that mountain. People are going to stream toward it. Why? Because they know the truth when they hear it and they know a hopeful vision when they hear it and they want to be a part of that. So not only, brothers and sisters, does it deal with end times imagery, it also deals with now times imagery. How do they prepare and say yes right there to to the mission of the kingdom of God? Because if they're going to be the ones that plant the seed, they have to have the seed in order to plant it, right? They have to open themselves and allow that seed to be planted within them in order that they can give a vision to say, Hey, we may not see this. We may not even see it in our lifetime. We may not see it in our children's, children's, children's lifetime. But I know this is the truth. I know the reality of what the kingdom of God looks like. And it looks like no more war. It looks like people beating their spears into plowshares and pruning hooks and all those good things. And, um, and let's skip to the gospel then. You know, this gospel can be, again, it can be kind of a scary reading if we, if we look at it and say, man, you know, he's comparing it to Noah and floods, and I want to make sure I'm in that ark and not outside it. And, and I want to make sure I'm, I'm in the field, and I'm not sure I want to be the one taken or not taken. I'm not sure, but I want to be the right one, whichever one it is, you know? And that thief in the, in the night, Jesus compares himself to the thief, right? Jesus is the one saying, listen, if you knew when the thief was coming, you'd lock the door. Thankfully, in a sense, he, he's using an interesting analogy here. He's basically saying, oh, I'm so grateful. Don't lock the door because I'm the thief and I'm going to be the one coming. And you want to make sure you are open to me because when I come, you want to say yes and allow yourself to be taken. 
I'm going to use that imagery. What do I think Jesus is saying here again? I'm only going to point point in a direction. And 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 I, I, again, it's not going to be the fullness. I don't think that Noah imagery, brothers and sisters, needs scare us. I think what he's talking about is, listen, God was acting within the world and people were too busy with what was going on to recognize it. I don't think he's threatening us with, the, with you know, uh, another flood or, or damnation in some other way. I think he's saying, listen, we're busy people. We know that, right? Jesus uses that other parable that I love where, you know, everybody's invited to the banquet and he goes out and says, you know, invite everybody you meet. And then he invites people and say, and they say, no, I cannot come because I've just purchased land and I got to go look at it. Or no, I just got married and I got to look at it. Nothing wrong with purchasing land or, or going to get married, right? The problem is being too busy to say yes to the coming of the banquet, to go to the banquet, to see it. I think that's where he's pointing here. Don't be so busy with whatever it is, buying and selling. Isn't that, you know, what, what he talks about here? They were eating and drinking, marrying and giving up in marriage. Well, I hope we ate and drank today. If you're married I, or, or given your child and marriage, there's nothing wrong with that. That's not what he's saying. He's saying don't get so overcome with busyness that you do not see me in the midst of the world. Um, I... Again, I, I love that image. Two men will be on the field. One will be taken. One will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One taken. One left. I just love that image. What is it that takes us? What are we taken with? Do you think back to when you were uh, taken with your uh, fiance? When you were taken with your spouse? Or you were taken with your first love? Or you were taken up with a passion for a hobby? Do you remember what that feels like? I think that's what he's inviting us to. Two people are going to hear the same thing. One will be awake enough to be taken by it. The other, they're just going to be doing their thing, grinding at the mill, pulling up weeds in the field, harvesting. Nothing wrong with either of those things. Hope you do them well. But can you do them and be open to whatever that experience of God is when that that thief comes? Brothers and sisters, here's the point. And, And let me tell a story in order to get to that point. Back before I went into um, ministry, my first job out of college in my undergrad was a a job in sales up at 3M uh, in St. Paul, Minnesota. And I remember, um, gosh, I had to be 23, 24 years old. I went to a sales seminar. And I was uh, selling in St. Paul at the time, but I wanted to get a territory out in the United States. And I was with uh, salespeople from 3M from all over the country, and we were in there for a, a sales seminar. Maybe 30 of us, 40 of us. And the person who was leading the sales seminar, he knew me. And he knew uh, what I was capable of. And in the middle of one of the sales seminars, had no idea it was coming. I was just sitting there listening, half daydreaming probably. And uh, he said, hey, there may be a, a sales opportunity coming up here. Is, anybody, uh, is there anybody in this room who may want it? Crickets. He, he asked it for one second, maybe two, and then went on and said, okay, I guess not. And then he went forward with whatever else he was going to say. Brothers and sisters, That was 35 years ago in my life almost. And I remember where I was sitting. I remember 
looking up. And I remember just about when I was ready to raise my hand, he went on and I missed it. I missed the opportunity. Brothers and sisters, here's my point. Our God, when our God comes to you in this world today and tomorrow and next week and next month, God will not come in a way that you are expecting. God will not come at a time you are expecting. But what our God is going to do is do the same thing that Bud Munt asked of me and said, are you ready? Does anybody want this? I've got an opening. I need somebody to do this. Kind of like he did with Isaiah, right? Whom will I send? Isaiah wasn't, thankfully, um, drifting off like I was. Isaiah quickly raised his hand and said, here I am, send me. Brothers and sisters, we do not celebrate, excuse me, we do not prepare for an event that happened 2,000 years ago as if we are play acting. You and I continue. The, the minute we think we have the incarnation figured out, the minute you, you and I think we, we know fully what Christmas means, brothers and sisters, is the minute we have to start over. There are things that we can and will and must open ourselves to with the miracle of what happened 2,000 years ago, that it can be new within us. And, and there are ways we must prepare for God's coming at the end of time, at the end of our time or the time, whatever that is. But brothers and sisters, we must be open to the, to the call and the presence of God today. We cannot give. If we are going to be those people who give the vision of the mountaintop and invite people to, to into that vision of God, we cannot give it without it being God's vision. We must open ourselves, which means humbling ourselves. It means saying yes to where God invites us at a time when God invites us. It's going to come unexpectedly, and it will not come in a way you think. It will not come in a way that it did to your parents. It will not come in a way that it did maybe to you five years ago or to, to what you hear in Scripture. It will come in a new way, and it will surprise, and it will change us. We need to have the courage to allow ourselves to be changed. All those things we think we know, it might be time to rearrange some of those. It might be time to say, I need something or I, I have to be open to something new. And that our security and our understanding of God is not where that, that grounding comes from, that security, but it's in God and God's vision. And if we have to um, tear down some of the sacred cows and some of the towers that we have built to, to make that secure, then even better. Because God is coming like a thief. And God is inviting us into that vision and to share that vision. We just have to be quick with raising our hand and saying, here I am, send me. Let's pray, my friends. And so uh, we begin as we begin all things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The first glorious mystery, Jesus rises from the dead. Our Father who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. My friends, bless you. Welcome to a new year. May you be well and God's peace.